Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Business Systems Summit. I'm your host, David Jennings, and in this session, we're going to be chatting with Marissa Brassfield from Ridiculously Efficient. Now, I got to know Marissa through Shakir Hussein, who's another one of our speakers at the uh, the summit, and we were talking about systems and processes, and Shakir said, I know you're a little bit of a systems nut, and you've got to talk to Marissa. You've got to get her on the summit because she'd be a perfect fit, and she just thinks and lives and breathes in terms of systems. And I quite often find that integrators, COOs, right-hand men and women, they tend not to get as much uh, limelight. Uh, Oftentimes when you compare it to their visionary counterparts, they're usually the ones that are actually making things happen. So it's very rare that uh, you, you get to see insight into that part of the business. So we're lucky to have Marissa on the call. She's an operational efficiency specialist with a passion for supercharging small entrepreneurial teams that are working on projects that have a global impact. She also uh, has co-founded and oversees Abundance 360, which is uh, Peter Diamandis' 25-year entrepreneur's mastermind and runs the operations side of things of Diamandis' internal strike force of the millennial entrepreneurs. So through Ridiculously Efficient Inc., that's her company, um, she's coached over 100 or more solopreneurs and small teams about the idea of work-life alignment, team communication, personal productivity, how to optimize teams, remote teams, and make them more effective and more efficient. Um, Her mission today, what she really focuses on, is helping entrepreneurs create the lives of their dreams by leveraging small teams. So it's definitely with great pleasure that I get to welcome Marissa to the summit. Hi, David. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone. I am so excited to be here today. As I mentioned to you a moment ago, David, usually I'm the only one in the room uh, with a bunch of visionaries and they've got these big ideas and I'm the one that's listening and, and kind of making the system and then making it make sense for another team. So I'm so excited to get to focus on that process that goes on inside my head. And I've used it to build products and design book launches and businesses and recruit teams. So it's I'll go through some steps and uh, it's the kind of process that you can really adapt to all sorts of creative work. Yeah, perfect. I know there are lots of components to it. And it's that's one of those things that from the outside looking in this idea, you're going to share with us the system to turn visionary ideas into projects, experiences, and businesses, which from the outside looking in seems like a really tough thing to systemize, except for someone who has a systems brain. So let's dive into it. I think um, it's a, I'd love to start off actually by you just sharing some of the challenges that you see visionaries have when they're trying to bring their ideas to light and and make them real. You know, they'll often dream it, but then it's another thing to bring it in reality and then finding the right person as well who can help them do that. There are a lot of challenges around that. And then we can actually go through this process step-by-step, how you take these ideas and then make it a reality. You said it, David. A lot of the entrepreneurs that I work with, are uh, they're visionaries. And so they have the idea. They can see a bigger, better future. And they can imagine what it looks like so tangibly that it's real to them. And they much prefer to live in that world of the future possible than the action, you know, to kind of dive down into the weeds of 
projects and team management and day-to-day prioritization. And so a lot of the challenges come in, one, the entrepreneur doesn't actually want to manage the team or manage the process or manage the deliverables, just wants to kind of wave the magic wand and see the result. And so that's where a brilliant integrator or orchestrator comes in, uh, or even a really solid project manager and takes that vision, mediates between that vision and what's possible, and then helps delegate it out to the team members who are contributing to the result. And that's another piece. Uh, A lot of times when the vision comes to the uh, day-to-day integrators and implementers, they are, they need much more clarity, much more information. And there's a lot of interpretation when it comes to a rough idea that an entrepreneur has. So they often have a lot of follow-up questions that either don't get asked or don't have enough fidelity for that team member. So that can result in a bunch of things, procrastination, double work or overwork where they're producing the wrong deliverable and so they've got to do it again, or they just don't get it right from the outset. And so there's a lot of uh, the art. And, and my first step is all about gathering that data so that you have enough information to distill down to the teams and then have them integrate it in a way that Will actually result in a usable thing. That relationship, and I feel like it is the missing ingredient. I just posted it about it this morning on LinkedIn. I feel like it's a missing ingredient for so many small business owners. When they're growing up to the certain size, they then just box themselves into working on the tools and then they get stuck there and they just keep solving the same challenges again and again and again, and it feels like they're on a treadmill and then they're not able to step out of the operations so they can then start to work more creatively, more strategically, and solve these higher quality problems because they're just solving all the day-to-day ones. So I think that that relationship between the integrator and the visionary is is so key, and it needs to be a very strong one where there's some backwards and forwards so the integrator feels like they're they're in a safe place too where they can push back and say hey yeah we can go down this rabbit hole and chase this crazy idea but let's be aware it'll also put these other six projects that we have on the go on hold and I really found uh, when I found my integrator that it just freed me up to then start doing my great work and it's hard to get into the head of the integrator to understand this magic because Melissa, she, she can see almost like into my, my brain and goes, great, I can see what you're trying to do here. This is the way that we would do it. Here's how we'd get the team involved and here's how it would structure. So that's really what I want to actually break out here. So let's dive into that first step. What kicks this off usually? This is the visionary coming to you with, with the crazy idea. Very much. And so this is this is the pitch session. This is the vision setting session. And sometimes I'll tee it up. I'm like, okay, paint the dream. So then, you know, they go off on this tangent and this rant about, okay, I had this idea to create this thing and I got inspired over here and here's what I think it could look like. And the whole time I'm listening and I'm trying to assimilate and take notes, but also read between the lines. And so there's four questions that I almost always ask at the start of the project. And that's because they aren't answered to the fidelity that I'd like them. And so I I use the acronym SURE, S-U-R-E, to kind of keep these in my head. So S is for soon. How soon? 
soon? How soon would you like this? Sometimes the timeline is 90 days. Sometimes uh, in a lot of entrepreneurial settings, it's immediately, if not sooner. But understanding the difference between those two things can help me mediate the quality control and, and what's feasible to do in that time frame and how robust or built out it needs to be or the reverse. And then with soon, I'm always listening for, you know, how often do you want to hear updates? Sometimes this is a pet project for the entrepreneur and they want to be briefed on every single uh, communication that goes back and forth and they want to feel involved. Other times they're like kind of hands off. It's like, well, you know, I, the next two months I've got this thing going on. So just keep me posted every few weeks as things develop. So that's the first one soon. The second one is how urgent and so entrepreneurs love competing deadlines. And so I'm wanting to understand within that time frame, how urgent is this? Is this a project that will become a business that's the cornerstone, a business unit that is the cornerstone of the company? And so it's got to be profitable very, very soon. Or is this something that's, you know, if it happens, wonderful. And, and maybe there's a year and a half runway before it needs to be profitable. I mean, that's a ridiculous example in, in my world, but it is one nevertheless. And so when I'm listening for urgency, it's about prioritization against the current activities that are going on, but it also gives me cover if I need to reset deadlines in another project. So as you mentioned earlier, it's like the new project comes in and like, no, this has to happen before everything. Okay, well, we have this launch scheduled for next month. Is that, you know, do we need to finish this before that or what needs to happen first? And so that gives me the kind of cover from above that I need to reset those deadlines and get everyone on the same page. Yeah. The third is resources. So I want to know a few things. Who can I work with on this if I need a sounding board? So a lot of times there's an analogy about sausage making. And, you know, there's this very messy, if you've ever made sausage from scratch, there's this very messy process that happens to get from ground meat to go in the casing to this beautiful finished sausage. So a lot of times the entrepreneur doesn't want to be exposed to my sausage making behind the scenes. So if I need quick advice or a sounding board on an idea that I'm having, and I don't necessarily want to involve the entrepreneur for bandwidth reasons, I want to know someone whose opinion they trust. And sometimes that can be um, another senior leader on the team, or it can be someone with a, a technical, a particular technical expertise that would be useful to bring in as an advisor. So then the other thing is, is there a budget? Like what kind of resources do I have at my disposal? Sometimes there's an experiment budget of a certain amount and I know that I've got to manage within those financial parameters. Other times it's a, a set number of days until we expect it to be break even or profitable. And then finally, I'm looking for folks that I can delegate work to or work alongside. So uh, are there other team members I can pull into this? Or is there an, entre uh, an intern that I can borrow some time from? Or can I get an intern? Something like that. Because the ability that I'm able to take on is a byproduct of how much uh, team availability I have. And then finally, the E is expectations. And this is all about standards. What does this thing look like? How perfect is it really? How involved you know, does the entrepreneur want to be in the process from start to finish? A lot of times... I will have an interchange back and forth with an entrepreneur at the at or about the 80% mark where I'll show them a landing page or something like the most important 80% of a new project. Sometimes it's a landing page, sometimes it's a project brief, but I'll show them that at 80% completion 
there's enough time for me to tweak and make adjustments and improvements, but it's not like done, done. Uh, and I haven't invested too, too much time. I also want to know about authority and autonomy. Like how, how much leeway do I have in making creative interpretations and decisions about the product or project or new thing I'm making? Sometimes it is that, that pet project of the entrepreneur and they want final approval on every single last thing from the colors and the logo and the temperature in the room to, I mean, just every single last detail. And other times it's like, well, use your best judgment. And if it's that, then I'll ask, you know, what's most important to you about this project? And so I, in this process uh, of interrogation, I'm, I'm trying to tease out the most important pieces that the entrepreneur is going to look for to determine whether it's done and done adequately and whether it's producing that ideal result. And so that whole sure method is basically to ID- gather the data to understand the ideal outcome. Once I have a really crisp vision of what it should look like, what it should be when we're done, and how much creative authority I have uh, you know, in the process to make my own improvements and fill in the blanks on my own, or at least an advisor to consult on some of these uh, sense-checking decisions, then I can uh, use that to rally the team together. Just so that's before, the second, yeah. before we go to the second one, how does this look? It'll obviously depend on the project. Is this something you like to do in person, on Zoom? It depends. Do you record it? Are you taking notes through this process? Like what, what does it, that look like for you to capture it? Yeah, so it's changed with technology over the last few days, years really. But the number one thing, it can happen in person. That's, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs love FaceTime. So if I have that luxury, I will. If not, I love to see facial expressions. I love to see micro expressions. I typically use otter.ai to automatically transcribe everything I do. I used to take, uh, and I still do it kind of out of uh, my own habit, but I'll take my own notes in a notepad or, or my favorite writing app or a Google Doc or something, whatever's handy, sometimes even Slack. Zoom has become my like de facto recording situation because it transcribes everything in real time. And then that makes it really easy to scan quickly or, you know, control F to a specific section and then hear it again in context. I always want to capture things so I have a backup because sometimes that recording is all I have to refer to to understand the project. Um, But I'll always as best I can stay present because I will pick up things in the tone of voice or micro expressions, as I said, that can help me understand like, oh boy, I better get this, this piece right because he's making this face when, <laughs> when he's describing uh, something he doesn't want to see. Yeah. So I think part of your role, like as much as we'll systemize, there's probably a lot of things that go in to the system that you may be conscious or not even necessarily conscious of, of just things that you've picked up and learned and projects that you've worked on. So I think that first step about capture makes really good sense. You've got to be super clear on what the goal is here and, and what success looks like. And then, yeah, you. I think 
that next piece, translating it through to the team because that's in the small business, that's where a lot of business owners go wrong. Those visionaries, they'll throw a new idea into the team. They'll give it to the team at large and then the team starts to get whiplash because one day they're walking in this direction, the next day the business owner's got a new idea and now we're walking in this direction and it's, it's very jarring. And having that middle piece, that connector, the integrator who can then take the ideas, assimilate it, put it down and then then deliver it to the relevant team members at the right time, the pieces that are relevant to them as well so they don't get overwhelmed. That's, yeah, one of the things I think integrators do so well. So I'd love to get an idea of how you do that process. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the first things I do when I enter any entrepreneurial team is I take a look at the team itself and I try and assemble what I call a justice league. And it's basically superheroes, individual superheroes who can support and they have distinct superhero skills. Like there's things you go to Batman for that you don't go to the Hulk for and vice versa. So there's that. And and so I've had the luxury of working within some pretty exceptional teams, ones that I've either stepped into or helped build myself. And so when I'm taking that project vision, I'm also typically working with two to five people. Sometimes I've worked with the crowd. I've had fabulous results with like 99designs for graphic design, Fiverr, like all of those on-demand sources. But I also have a lot of friends who are freelancers and just looking for some side work or they're working at a big company and they're looking for a side hustle. So that's kind of how I, I kind of design my own Justice League sometimes. So basically, I have this vision. I now understand what needs to happen, how soon, the whole thing. And I am thinking, okay, what capabilities do I need to have to make this true? In the early days of Abundance 360, I was editing video, editing audio, matching sound up, uploading things to the membership portal, and that's all fine and well. But at some point, you know, someone else can do it much faster, easier, better, and cheaper than me. So that's kind of how I think about delegation. And so, you know, what capabilities do I need around me to pull into this project? What teamwork can I initiate? And then what specific interpretation am I making on this idea? So if it's an event and we've got a date and we've got a budget, like, and I'm making some interpretations on the landing page and who it's for, I'm inventing avatars and, you know, so there's some preliminary thinking where I'm putting in my own creative input. And then it's like, how can my superheroes help me make this vision true? And it's a lot of times I'm designing an MVP or a, you know, an 80% version of an idea to present to an entrepreneur to turn into a business unit or a fully fledged thing. So I'm thinking, you know, how can my superheroes help me and how can I help them? As you mentioned, a lot of entrepreneurs are, and the teams around them uh, are constantly overloaded. So a lot of my work is in creating cover for them and helping elegantly push back on some of their other deadlines or giving them the support that they need on their day-to-day work so that they can come in on this urgent project, especially if the timing and urgency are basically impossible for a small business. So that's sort of like the pre- work that I do. And then when it comes to briefing the team, I'm a very, very empathetic leader and high emotional intelligence. So I'm, I'm thinking about the level of information that each team member needs for to kind of get involved in, and excited about the project. Some are very kind of quick starty and they, they can kind of jump in and just run with it a rough idea and go. And so I'll give them the most important and urgent information and I'll ask them, you know, if they need any clarifying details or what questions they have. And it's a much shorter conversation. 
And then I work with some folks who are very also systems minded and process minded, and they will have a zillion questions. So I'll often start from the beginning to the end, recount the story, give them access to the transcript or the auto recording so that they can go back and listen on their own time and have their own time to ingest what I've ingested as well. I'll fill them in on specifically what needs to happen by specifically when, and then give them ample time to ask questions. And I I kind of tell the story behind it. And then at the end, I usually ask something like, what's missing here? Uh, What would help you feel more confident and empowered to start this project? And then they'll tell you exactly what information they need. And sometimes I can answer that myself. Sometimes I just write it down and I've got to go back to the entrepreneur. I'm like, okay, I've, you know, I've got the team settled and I have a few more questions, but those thankfully, you know, once you get to know the team and, and the entrepreneur really well, those are kind of minimized. And then, so when I'm describing the project itself, it's like, what it is, why it matters, but I'm also wanting to get them emotionally engaged. So here's the role I'm playing in this project. I'm mainly going to be project managing, but I'm going to lead the creative and the design and anything that needs copy or writing. And then how I can help them. So it's like, I'll be a resource for you. I'd love to help, you know, help you. If it's video, I can help you select B-roll. I can give you a script, like what would support you? And then I describe the role that they're playing and what they can do to support the ideal result. A lot of times the team members I work with, they just want to know how to win and how they can produce a win for the team. And so that's a a big part of it is like, if you do nothing else, but this, this, and this, we win. So, so, you know, that kind of clarity uh, really helps. And then I also try and understand what they've got going on and what they have to move around to support this. And that's where I get uh, at least a, a baseline of what they're working on, how busy or overloaded they are, and then how stressed out they're feeling uh, about their current state of work. I mean, a busy person, they, I, I heard once that the way you get things done is to ask a busy person, but that only works so, so much. Then goes into distress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Break them emotionally or (laughs) or spiritually. And then, so within that conversation, it's like setting appropriate deadlines, like, you know, uh, dividing the project into chunks. And so what I will typically do for buy-in is I'll walk into a rough deadline and then let them declare the specific one. So Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach, he often talks about the 80% approach and how just get 80% of it done and then, you know, figure out the most, the 80% like that you could do to improve the thing and iterate from there. So I kind of take the 80-20 like Pareto principle to it where I'm going, okay, you know, what's the most important 80% to make this real? And then after that, what single improvement would make this 80% better? And then, uh, so how that would sound is like, hey, I spoke with Peter and here's the project. He'd like to see an 80% draft of the video by Friday. How can I support you best when we do that? Or how can I set you up for success? So I'll, I'll kind of let them give the specifics. Yep, I'll send it to you Thursday morning and then you can, uh, you can give your feedback and then we'll give it to him Friday, Friday morning. Okay, fine. So that's like how the conversation would go. Yeah, some questions around this. So just for the way that you like to capture things and obviously you're going to choose the tools that are most relevant to the team that you're working with, but are you 
dumping a lot of this all into a document somewhere? Do you jump straight into your project management tool and try and start, you know, you've identified who the team is and you've started, you know, talking to them about what needs to be done? At what point do you start to transition there from your notes then into something happening? Or at this point, is it really you're just still talking with the the team members out of the Avengers to figure out, right, you're, you're doing this, you're doing that, and you're working on this? Yeah, it's literally a conversation at this point because the most important thing is I want their buy-in, their emotional buy-in, and then I want their brains thinking on how they're going to execute the project. Something that a lot of folks do is they tend to like write this gnarly to-do list or they go straight into the project management system. And if that works, then go for it. In the teams that I've worked with, though, they're just like, ah, just let me figure out how to do it and I'll give it to you when it's done. Yes. <laughs> And so they kind of resist that micromanagement. And so that's simply the, the teams that I've worked in. And so that's the, the expertise that, that, that or the, the background and context that that comes from. So yeah, we have a conversation, we get agreement on what it looks like and by when. And then I, I honestly step back and I let them do it the way that they need to. Now there is some transparency, there's some dashboarding that happens just so that I can communicate and keep tabs on what they're doing. But then the specifics, you know what's funny is we've used Slack for project management and starring things. We've used Google Docs and Sheets for project management. We've used tools like Asana and things for Mac. But I haven't found like the one thing that works in these in some of these entrepreneurial teams, which is so funny. There might be a space there for you to design one one of these days. So, so if it depends on the individuals, they're agreeing to, great, this is the piece that I'm working on and this is when it needs to get done. You would also need to keep track of that. How do you kind of oversee where the project is going and and what those key steps are? And this might even start to translate into the next step because I feel like, you know, the first one is that data gathering. The second step is having the conversation with the team and getting the buy-in. What happens after that? Yeah. So after that point, after I've spoken with everybody, everybody's on board, they're excited. I then basically compile those timelines that I've gotten from the different team members and I calibrate them against the entrepreneur's expectations. So usually what happens from that is I'll create a big gnarly Google sheet where I've got like a directly responsible individual, what the thing is, what the area is, what the specific deliverable is, the time that I'm supposed to see or the date that I'm supposed to see it and then the the day that it's actually do. And then we'll use a simple green, yellow, red coding system to make sure that that is on track. Literally no one but me actually looks at it though, because it's so overwhelming, but I always share a link to the entrepreneur and say, hey, if you ever want to check up on this in between our scheduled tag ups, here's where you can find the latest status of everything. And really that's mainly to let them know, hey, I've got it. I'm thinking about things. I think of it as like an early warning system or a blind spot detector where I've I've got evidence that I'm taking a look at all the variables and there's some agreement on the things I'm actually producing. So in that milestone calendar, it's what they're going, you know, for the entrepreneur, it's what they're going to see, what date, and that directly responsible individual. I've heard them say, well, I, I want one belly button or I want one neck to choke. So I don't know, I guess it depends on your leadership style, but one directly responsible individual for each each thing. And then, so that's my gnarly spreadsheet. And honestly, there's a bit of like 
blind, not blind trust, it's informed trust, but I'll set some basic agreements with the team. I definitely want to create psychological safety within my work group so that the team feels empowered to come to me if something isn't going right or they need to push back a deadline or they're having trouble of any kind. I'd never want to create blame and shame cultures or environments where they feel like they can't come to me. Maybe not the entrepreneur, but certainly they need to be able to come to me so I can advocate for them and find a path to a solution. And then communications and accountability expectations. In some cases, I've had really great success with regular check-ins and tag-ups where that project team is getting together on a specific time of the day or weekly. The next, so you'll create the document and just because we'll end up making some notes from this, this will kind of be that next step then. Now we're kind of into running the project. Yeah. So I've basically made the spreadsheet and it's a dashboard and then I get agreement on that with the entrepreneur. And then it's like, okay, I circulate that to the team, but I, I can see who looks at it and like nobody looks at it, but they basically, they, they know their marching orders. They go off and they do them. And then yeah, I mean, I'll check in a day or two before it's due and, hey, how's everything going? And if I don't have a regular cadence set up with that team member, I'll use that check-in, that gentle check-in. How's this coming? Am I going to see this on Thursday? You know, how can yeah. I support you on this? Yeah, perfect. So that's when we're going through the motions of doing it. And I suppose you're serving the team at that point in time. What do you need? How to make your job easier? Giving feedback. It'll depend on the complexity of the task and what piece they're handling. Some things are going to need more, some things are, are less. That's one thing that I found working with a strong integrator. They're great at understanding the personalities of each team members. Some team members require more attention. Other team members just, hey, you let me do my thing and I'll, I'll come back to you. So I think that that's part of that's that high emotional intelligence you were talking about, I think is a very important characteristic for this role. Very, very much because sometimes when I'm the role where I am delivering feedback to the entrepreneur and giving them an update on what's going on, sometimes I'll say, Hey, you know, I know you may expect that I was going to work with Karen, but I'm actually working with Brianna on this because Karen is overloaded and stressed out. Maybe you should check in with her. But Brianna and I have got it rocking and, uh, and we're on time to deliver this piece by this day. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So you're going through the motions. Is there anything else around the management of that or how you handle situations when missing deadline or work not quite where it needs to be or anything like that? How do you, I think that's another thing that integrators are great at is they're also great like on visionaries at solving problems and thinking in the moment, okay, what needs to happen next to to get the objective complete. They're, they're quite good that way. I don't know if you have any suggestions on how you handle difficult challenges in that process. Definitely when it comes to standards and what is done, I've developed internal dialogue with my teams to not show me anything until it's done, done. <laughs> and uh, so they can show me something when it's done and then I'll, I'll tell them what needs to happen to make it done, done. But the entrepreneur doesn't see it until it's done, done. And so a lot of times that's calibrating what the entrepreneur would want to see. And that's a lot of implicit knowledge. But that goes back to the earlier thing where I'm, I'm really listening to what's most important to you about this project or what's most important to you to get right. You'd be surprised. A lot of folks, when they are emailing VIPs, are very specific about how the email should be sequenced, but laid out, but also formatted. Specific, very short, bulleted 
you know, short sentences, the whole thing. And so if you listen to the nuance in, in what's most important to them, you can often interpret those standards and then communicate them to the team and teach them. The other element is I love to create environments with the team, but also with the entrepreneur where agreements where it's like, hey, if we're slipping on a timeline or a deadline and we're in risk of missing one, I'm going to let you know as soon as I can so we can adjust it and see what needs to happen. But I'll also do that with the team member where it's, hey, the moment you're having trouble with something or you think you might not be able to make this, let's figure it out. Because sometimes I can dive in there and and help them troubleshoot or help them identify the, the biggest piece that's holding them up. Sometimes I can create cover with the entrepreneur and renegotiate a deadline on something else so that they can make room for this. Sometimes I can negotiate extra budget so that we can pull in another, either an an outsourced person to help with a task or some freelance support so that they're getting that feeling of quick, speedy response. And if it costs, whatever it costs, depending on the thing, sometimes that investment is just meager compared to the, the value of the result. And then, you know, when it comes to proactively communicating deadline changes, a lot of times when I'm, when I'm in conversation with the entrepreneur and I'm showing them a deliverable, I always ask for, it's a dangerous question, but I always ask for innovation, like what's missing or what can we do to make this even better? And sometimes that adds a lot of complexity in that the entrepreneur suddenly gets lots of ideas that dramatically change the scope of the project. But then I can kind of push back and say, Okay, well, based on this, if we add, you know, these details to it, I think we need another week to make it happen. I get their agreement to push back the deadline, which gives the team some respite. But the point is that the outcome is better as a result of that innovation. And so I always restate that. It's like, hey, well, this is, you know, it's going to be better and stronger because we added this. And reframing that to the team really helps them not avoid seeing that as, oh gosh, I've got it. I just did this and now I have to do this again, or now we're going in a completely different direction, but kind of painting the story and telling the story of how that conversation and decision happened can really, really help. Because ultimately team members want to contribute to a, a successful result and they want to they be part of that ideal outcome. They don't want to, they don't want to be the stick in the mud. It's just frustrating to redo work again. Yeah, that makes sense. I think because, you you know, this idea of when you're then asking for, hey, do you have any other great ideas, that innovation part, is that obviously, again, a lot of this will depend on the size of the project. But you also mentioned about then going to the entrepreneur once you're about 80% complete and probably once you're starting to get some deliverables and things like that to give um, feedback. Is that, uh, yeah, the the next step, like that that point at which, yeah, we start to get the feedback from the entrepreneur or what's next? Yeah. When things start to get real is when I'm, or when we start to get some data, perhaps uh, sometimes it's sending out a survey and as the responses come back in, perhaps the scope of what we're about to build should shift based on the patterns of the data and the survey we received. So there's a lot that shifts along the way always, but in those check-ins, that's where I'm, I'm, restating the ideal outcome and the goal. And so we're producing this landing page for this event on these days, and we've got these materials put together. But, you know, I'll, I'll use an example of a video, like a promotional video, because that's it's the easiest, like crisp thing to decide. You know, an 80% thing could be rough cuts. 
there are rough cuts between, but and, and you're getting agreement on the imagery, you're getting agreement on the sounds, uh, and the backing track, and you know just what it, it sounds like. A, a pretty rough script if there's a voiceover, some shortlisted voiceover choices, and so in there there's this rough assortment of ideas that I would present the entrepreneur, and then get their creative improvements. And sometimes it's completely different imagery but very decisive and declarative. Sometimes we've gone in the wrong direction with the music, but there's a much crisper idea that comes out of that. So that all helps make things clearer. Uh, and then there's this sort of revision phase that that happens as we're producing other deliverables. So it, it gets a little messy in the middle, but the end result is always so much more beautiful because of it. Similar to that first session with the entrepreneur, are you capturing these sessions as well, transcribing, giving that feedback through to the relevant team members then to make adjustments? How does that look? Everything I do happens with Otter <laughs> or is recorded in some fashion, Zoom or Uber conference, and we'll record on on those phone calls simply because I need to have a trail of evidence. If someone isn't getting it, and, and that has happened in the past, when someone is just not understanding and picking up or adapting to feedback, I need to have something for a performance evaluation or something for a further conversation where we're, okay, we got through this project, but next time we work on something together, these three things, and here's the moment. And sometimes when they hear their words in context, it's it makes so much more sense because we often misremember things on both sides. I might misremember something a team member said or how they interpreted it. But if you can pinpoint that moment or go back and find it, even though it's a pain, there's nothing like what you actually said. (laughs) And sometimes I go, oh gosh, yeah, I could have explained that a a lot more concisely and directly. Yeah. All right. So then we've gone through that that process of of the feedback loop. We're probably coming towards the end of the, the project now. What how do you start to think about the next stage? So now I'm looking at basically creating a dashboard for recurring updates. So this is, depending on the thing, the specific measurable results that would make the ideal outcome of the original project true. So if it's an event, I'm looking at sales, ticket sales, sponsorship sales, percentage of deliverables completed from my gnarly spreadsheet, what percent of the things that we need are actually done and ordered, what is the profitability of the event or projected profitability, like how are we tracking towards that goal? If it is something online, you know, there's traffic, there's all sorts of analytics and depending on what's important to the entrepreneur. And here's where I would check back in, like what's most important to you to track about this? What are the most important numbers and metrics that I can put together for you to assess the success of what we're doing? And that's another conversation where, so, well, I want to look at the average ticket price and the, you know, how many, the diversity of sponsors, the diversity of industries. And so you can get the details that are most important to the entrepreneur, put together a dashboard, and then start collecting real-time data before the project is over or complete, just so that you can show momentum and velocity. A lot of times in the settings I'm in, momentum is super important. And to show that something is not only finishing on time, but it's already successful and is going to be successful. I love producing those success stories. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier, um, Google Sheets and things like that. Again, will depend on the tools. I'm assuming something like Google Sheets is maybe where you're putting this sort of data. Precisely. 
Yeah. And so I, I would just have it as another worksheet um, yeah. right on there where I've got my my full deliverables list. And then that way, the next time we have this, I can uh, basically just copy the thing and zero it out and start over. Yeah. So we're inching towards the successful completion of the project. What usually happens next? So at this point, I'm managing, it's like I, I put my train conductor hat on and I'm making sure that the trains are coming in on time. And uh, this is where I typically will jump onto specific project teams, support, add woman power or help accelerate things. This is where deadlines are made or broken. So uh, that's where a lot of time happens. Then it's also managing the new ideas that the entrepreneur has that maybe are a bit too close to the time, to the deadline to be implemented. I'm thinking of an event here where you've got to declare your final headcounts for food and beverage by a certain time, maybe it's 72 hours before. There are no more freebies. There are no more comments. I don't care how cool they are, they can't come. <laughs> so it's sending, sending those, just kind of putting up the final barriers and, uh, and preparing for arrival. Yes. Yeah. I, I like that putting me in. And, and again, it goes back to that relationship that the integrator and the visionary have where the visionary feels they've created that safe space for the integrator to push back and both like it actually needs to happen. There's this like healthy tension between the two of this is what I want to have done versus this is what can be done. And let's kind of work to come to an agreement so that then it's completed. So now we've, we've started to put those barriers up and we've reached the end of the particular project. What happens there or, or is there some final little adjustments you do in the, the going live of it or the celebration or how does that look? Well, there's definitely always a celebration, but while it's still fresh in our heads and before we've celebrated, there's always, I won't call it a post-mortem, but effectively Dan Sullivan and strategic coach, they call us the experience transformer where you think, you know, if you were going to go through this again, you know, what worked, what didn't work. And if you were going to do it again, what would you do differently? And it's often when things are fresh and people are frazzled from racing to the finish and frustrated and you know they, they've got that angst in them. That's when you get some really good ideas about what didn't work. Don't ever do this again. Next time this, next time that. But then you can take those insights from the team. So here we go with uh, another Google Doc or some kind of um, publicly shared document where people can add to it at the same time from different places and it's auto-saved. That will circulate that document out, get folks to have their input, ideally from different departments. So again, in event land, I want input from the production team, the logistics team, the content team, the talent on stage, the speakers, anyone who had a hand in the event in producing it, front stage, backstage. I definitely want their improvement ideas and things that were really great for them. This is attendee feedback as well, although they won't, you know, we'll send them a survey or something versus collaborating on that backstage document. But I definitely want to compile insights while they're fresh. And then we have a fabulous celebration where there's some public recognition of the hard work that everyone did and specifically calling out moments. And this is where I get to really highlight folks on the team who went above and beyond to produce that result, or even just talk about some of the funny moments and, and let people kind of process. I mean, these projects are always 
there's always something that happens. Uh, but those celebrations can be as simple as a little lunch or a little, you know, get together in the conference room. And we have some great video talent. So in the past, we've had some highlight reels and things and blooper reels. And, you know, just kind of on the side, work with the video team to make that happen in time for the meeting. But then sometimes if it's a really enormous thing, maybe we have an offsite and there's some kind of celebration, but something where the team gets to laugh and smile and, and kind of celebrate together. Some of those moments are so important for team culture, especially when it's a particularly gnarly project and everyone has really put in the hours to make it happen. Yes. And then depending on the task as well, one thing I always find is that feedback point as well. Sometimes that's a good time, especially if it's a recurring task, to then do the feedback into the systems and processes of, okay, now let's change the way that we do this or that thing while it's fresh because everybody's frazzled at the end. You get all of the great feedback and it's really easy for nothing to happen beyond just capturing it. And then that same problem reoccurs a little bit down the line. So I, I love capturing that and then feeding it into the system as well. Uh, do you have any suggestions around that? Obviously, a lot of the projects you're working on, things are going to change. So it's not like everything's going to be documented down to minute detail, but there's probably some things that are well documented. would love your insights on yeah, when and where that documentation might be relevant. Definitely. So it's always good to capture things down. You never know when you might need it again. But anything that you're going to do again is worth a process just it just is but herox.com uh, one another of it's a for-profit spin-out of XPRIZE, one of Peter's companies. They run incentive competitions, but I love their backstage structure. Whenever they have a team meeting and continuous improvement is just a part of their culture and core values. So after every single meeting, they have team members fill out a survey like was this a good use of time? What three improvements would you suggest? And so each team member is forced to come up with three improvements for literally everything that they're doing every time they get together as a group. And that forces a lot of innovation just right off the bat. And they come together and they prioritize, okay, here's what the team found. And, you know, based on this, it clustered into these three groups. We're going to start this moving forward just immediately. So anytime you can gather feedback and they've found that anonymous feedback is best for their team. It, it really enables those unfiltered opinions to come through. And that's so the, the raw source of a lot of innovation. But yeah, with us, uh, because we work so heavily in Google Docs and the whole G Suite, it makes it really easy to organize things into templates and folders and things we might use again, especially those experience transformers. That's something where if we're starting a thing again, or start even for Abundance 360, when we're planning the event, we always look at the previous year's experience transformer, even though we've probably already had a meeting, you know, after the event to, to go through it all, just to refresh our memory and like, okay, and jog it all up because it's so easy to get caught up in the next project and you forget. And a lot of these small teams works and moves so quickly from thing to thing that it's a, what happened last week. I don't know, six months ago, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. I love this process and I think it's going to be highly relevant to uh, not only the visionary, just to understand what it takes to bring a project successfully to light and appreciate their integrators even more or realize maybe why projects aren't getting executed the way that they would like. And then similarly for integrators as well, I think going through and seeing another integrator's process, understanding and then 
just that'll help fine tune and reinforce and encourage them that that relationship is is normal because it's not one that's super well talked about. I remember reading a book, uh, Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman. That was one when I read it where I was like, oh, you know, that was articulated very well. But it's not something that's usually spelled out because everybody looks to the visionary and that's what they see front and centre, but they don't necessarily see their right-hand person who's sort of making it all happen. So I don't know if there are any final points around this particular process you wanted to mention. And then, yeah, I'd love to be able to point people in your direction if they want to find out more about your work. We are a rare breed indeed. (laughs) I think one of the smartest things that an entrepreneur can do besides finding an integrator is hiring a strike force around them. So something that I built for Peter is his strike force. And we have a next generation team of young entrepreneurs who orbit around Peter and effectively self-assemble into small strike force teams to make these, take these visionary ideas and bring them to life. One notable outcome of the strike force is Bold Capital Partners, Peter's venture fund. So never underestimate your young team members and what they're capable of doing. And for anyone who wants to continue nerding out with me about processes and integrators, I've got a community at Ridiculously Efficient. It's vip.ridiculouslyefficient.com. Or if you're feeling subversive, vip.efficient.af. And We basically have project managers from all over the world and we get together and talk about work-life alignment and how we organize our time and how we organize our day, how we start our day, finish our day, fit in exercise, push back with entrepreneurs, all that good stuff. And a lot of Abundance 360 members have put their executive assistants and project managers into the program. It's free. So... Uh, no reason wow, not to do it. Resource. Um, I'll make sure I link to that because that's cool. Um, like I said, it, it's an area that I think is doesn't get enough attention yet. It's such an important component. So, Marissa, yeah, a big thank you for yeah being so kind and generous with all of your information. I know people are going to get a lot from it, and uh, they should definitely go find out more about your work. So, thanks again. Thank you for the opportunity. Have a great day. You've just been listening to the System Hub podcast. Remember, we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business. Head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now.